Hello and welcome to Dev Dive, a podcast where we dive into the realm of development and engage with practitioners and researchers working in the field. Today we are going to explore the fascinating and absolutely critical field of early childhood education. I'm your host Anushna Jha and with me is my co-host Mehreen Shah. Thank you Anushna and hello everyone. Today we have Ms. Divya Dutt with us. She is an early childhood educator based in India. She holds her undergrad and master's degree from uh, Lady Irwin College, University of Delhi. Divya has worked with both private and government schools, so she uh, so her experience includes a variety of work. Uh, please tell us how did you get into this into this field and what really triggered your interest. Thank you, uh, thank you, Mehreen, for the warm welcome. For me, it just happened by chance, to be honest. Um, when I started studying at Lady Irwin College, which is essentially a home science college, we were studying various things from nutrition to fabrics to resource management, and one of the core subjects was child development. And from the first year itself, I had a very strong liking towards. human development child development and i at that very moment know that this is probably what i want to pursue even though i can tell you that most of the students back at my college they when they enter college they want to pursue nutrition because uh, that is what everyone thinks is the best out of all the five subjects but by the end of the third year i knew that it is child development that i want to pursue and so i went on to you know uh, before i did my masters i also worked for a couple of years and again it happened by chance that when i joined a school i was asked to work uh, with four year old children so i was a year early years educator at that school and in those two years i can tell you that that is exactly where my interest and liking for the field uh, grew you know many fold and i knew that you know i want to st- i want to study more i want to know exactly how children develop in those early years because in those two years i had realized that these were the most crucial years um and so i went back to college did my post grad in child development and then i wanted to uh, not go back to a school but work in the field to really know that you know what are the realities uh, on ground uh, what are the kind of things that the government is working towards who are the people supporting the government what what are their implementation strategy what and especially what are the challenges so for the next two years i was uh, in the field really understanding how things go about in the early childhood education space in the public sector and yeah so if that answers your question it just happened by chance for me but i've decided to stay because uh, now i can say i'm quite passionate about what i do that's so wonderful you mentioned uh, your work with the public sector and now you're working uh, in the private sector i believe uh, so how have those experiences uh, been so i would say uh, public sector or private sector every both the experiences have had a great deal to teach me even though initially i would always think that you know public sector is the real deal that's where i want to be that is where you can reach to a larger audience and especially the disadvantaged audience but of course some of my mentors told me that no that is not really true whether public or private you're still in the field very much working for and with children 
the major difference i would say is public and private sector i can tell you from the little experience that i have i still i still call myself a novice in the field so in the past 5 to 6 years what i've seen is that um, the private sector has all the resources you know these schools they have all the resources they have nice teachers you know uh, teachers who probably have some kind of degree in education maybe not specializing in ece to say but but they can be trained they can you can work with them in the in service so i private sector has all the resources but you might see that their practices may or may not be uh, very appropriate and there are certain things that drive their practices one i can definitely tell you is the parent and their expectations so essentially when a school is running and you know it's running um more as a business sometimes it really matters what the parent is expecting you know sometimes their voice becomes louder and what the parent is expecting is essentially what the parent is seeing happening in the other schools right so i'll give you an example at a school where i worked mm-hmm. we would uh, what we were doing in nursery was quite age appropriate but we constantly had the pressure from parents saying that you're not doing enough what what are, why are you teaching why aren't you teaching more to my child my child can do more look at the other schools doing this and that so you know that pressure would always come down so in the private sector i can tell you that the practices are sometimes driven by what the parent uh, really mm-hmm. wants because that is parent is essentially the customer sometimes i would say that not all schools i can tell you there are so schools who are quite uh they they will do things the they the way they want to do and quite age appropriate then the public sector so in the public sector again i worked for about 2 years in the early childhood education space so i worked um with an international organization like in collaboration with and we were supporting one of the states and their icds mm-hmm. so i can tell you i can tell you with the states when all these ngos ingos um uh, think tanks universities they have all these people to support them technically so i can tell you that on paper the practices are probably um uh, without a flaw mm-hmm. but the problem in the public sector is the implementation because there are so many levels of functionaries involved because it is large scale it we are talking about a state with 114000 anganwadi centers for example so 114000 anganwadi workers and it becomes so difficult to actually reach out to all of them and the information and quality definitely filters out by the time it reaches those 114000 15000 anganwadi workers i'm talking about one big state where that is the right. number and for our listeners who are not familiar with india icts is the integrated child development services scheme right yes uh, icts is the child development services schemes uh, anganwadi centers are essentially early childhood care and development centers so development means education is a part of it right. there is also there is also health there is also parent partnership and things like that quite a lot like the head start in okay. the us in the public sector i think uh, the quality and 
the practices are very well chalked out because they have support from the international community the national think tanks but implementation becomes a challenge sometimes okay so divya since you also talked about uh, parents uh, in between and uh, can you also please uh, shed light on um, a little bit more light on the role of parents and their families and how do you think uh, we can engage parents and families in the early childhood development of uh, children both i mean if you talk about both public and private schools yes yes definitely um i think parent partnership is at the core of early childhood development you have to understand that the child the child when the child is born for the next 2 3 years the parent is uh, the one you know it is through the parent that the child views the world and you know the, right. the parent is the primary uh, caregiver especially in the first 2 to 3 years so it is very important especially in the first 3 years to partner with the parents so if we if we're talking about early childhood we're talking about birth to up to 6 to 8 years you know so if early childhood also consists of an infant it also consists of a 6 year old what i'm trying to say is that you have to see you have to look at partnership at with parents of children who are as young as 1 month old and as old as 6 years old so in the first 3 years very important because the child does not come to your center it is only through the parent that you can reach the child and when the child start to the school uh, to the preschool for example you know as a 3 year old or 4 year old or 5 year old of course again you need to partner with parent because essentially the most part of his day is back at home with the parent and if you really want to extend the environment the learning environment back to home you just don't want the child to come to school learn something go back home to a different totally different environment which is cut off we want to extend learning back at home and you can't do it without the parent and when i am saying with the parent what i really mean to say is not just telling parent what to do that will not do to first understand their context their challenges understand their understanding and their cultural understanding you cannot tell them something and but not take into account the culture that they come with because they might be doing something else in their culture so you know you really have to partner with the parent look at that parent as a human being you have to take in context everything that they come uh, you have to take in consideration their context is what i'm trying to say so essentially when you are partnering with parents something as um, as little as you know their convenience when are they available are they available to come down to the preschool center or um, you know or maybe you have to do it through flyers or through phone calls or through emails you know i'm talking about if i'm talking about the urban population you have so many ways to reach out to the parent in the rural population you know uh, you know in all these small villages um, and uh, and you know that there you might need to really meet them maybe they come to your center once every fortnight or you go you do home visits to their houses and maybe you do a one on one uh, one hour conversation on okay you know what is going on where do you find what do you find challenging oh maybe you can try these things so what i'm essentially trying to say is that as small as their convenience and as big as working slowly and gradually on their i would say capacity you know mm-hmm. uh, and gradually the parent has to start understanding what is it that we are trying to say the very basic um 
core of why early years are important what is the role of the parent what are the kind of stimulating experiences you as a parent can give what are open ended conversation what is the role of storytelling what is exploration what is play so slowly and gradually we have to move towards developing their understanding which is strong enough that they are not always relying on a third person to tell them what to do and we want them to be able to you know create that knowledge into action followed by reflection and you know that they have to engage in that cycle but that happens slowly and gradually right uh, could you share an example of a parent partnership program and some of the considerations involved in designing such a program you know uh, i can talk i can talk about um, this one program that we designed for parents um, um in the state of west bengal so west bengal is big you have cities that are urban semi urban rural and there were all kind of uh, parents that we had to keep in mind while designing this parenting program this parenting program was supposed to be delivered through the icds so of course the anganwadi worker and the supervisor and the cdpos were supposed to take care to make sure it is implemented and there um what uh, we decided to go ahead was uh, to have these um, one hour long meetings once every week uh, no not once every week once every 15 days right so you know the angan worker is meeting a group of say 10 to 15 to 20 parents once every 15 days and she has a theme that she's talking about you know maybe on a day she's talking about play another day she's talking about um, maybe something as important as um, you know positive parenting uh, things like that so you know our strategy was then to you know not just always you know have so we kept in mind that it can't be more than an hour because they will not have so much time to spare then we kept it in mind to you know not just rely on group sessions at the center but follow it up with home visits so they would go to their houses sometimes and see okay what are you doing can you show me where, where what's the challenge that you're facing and then there were also flyers you know there, there was something that they can take back home because you know they've come to your center they've talked to you they're going back home after an hour but they want to go back with something concrete so maybe a flower flyer that has certain illustrations you know something that they can go back maybe put up on their wall and all can always refer to when uh, you know if they need to so things like that um right. this is this is how you can really partner with parents but one thing i can tell you Mm-hmm. and one thing that uh, sometimes uh, i've observed both while working uh, with the public sector and the private sector so as much as in schools as much as in the uh, space of anganwadi centers i've seen one thing that sometimes teachers think that parents don't know they think that we have to tell them as if we have all the knowledge about children and these parents they don't know anything sometimes we underestimate them so much we forget that they are the ones who brought up children to 5 years and 6 years maybe they have other children you cannot not yeah. take their experiences yeah. their culture and their uh, knowledge so the worst thing that you can do as a teacher if you underestimate your parent if you don't see them as equal talking of uh, context and culture uh, what role do you think language plays Uh, in the early childhood uh, sphere uh it plays a very important role actually um mm-hmm. i can act even probably start with talking about this particular article that i read when i was still in college 
and that article very simple read a two page article and that really got me into so much interested in this space and this article was called um, prenatal english why not and it was in azim prem ji publications um, learning curve i think uh, it was back in may 2014 this article was written by professor ajit mohanty who is a somebody that everybody knows in india everybody who works in the space of language he really talked about the role of language especially in the early years he talked about the multilinguality in india and how schools and sometimes even uh, government centers where they don't acknowledge the child's home language all you need to do is acknowledge it if you don't acknowledge and respect it the child will never become a part of your classroom and more often than they will lose interest and sometimes children have also if you if you read some researches they have dropped out because of this because in india Mm-hmm. Uh, probably know we are a we are a bilingual country and how there are so many languages and then there are so many dialects right and but school education system you know there are only a handful of languages that are dominant languages in the school education system including the public sector now the problem is that when the child comes to your school just as a 4 year old or a 5 year old the child is not late you know he's coming to your class with a lot of knowledge everything that he knows he knows in his home language whether it is a dialect or whether it is an official language of india or whatever but he knows a lot of things but when he comes to your classroom if you don't acknowledge his knowledge in that language if you can continuously keep telling him okay speak in hindi no speak in english no i'm not listening to you uh, you have so you know what happens is or if you correct him time no this yeah. is not the, you know yeah. that is when the child will feel that okay my my knowledge means nothing it is not valued and you know the child will probably stop answering even if he knows the question that you are raising he will stop he, he or she will stop answering because you have probably uh, you know you just probably ruined their confidence to a level where they don't even want to answer to you because you have not acknowledged their 4 to 5 years of understanding of the world only because their language is a language that you don't know and for that matter just today i was reading a post by um, again in the field um, she actually talked about how um, her home language was haryanvi and probably in delhi but the school language was hindi or maybe english i'm not sure but all i'm trying to say is that even the haryanvi and hindi are probably very close to each other even still you know she felt a little i would say excluded or she she did not really feel valued because maybe people assumed her home language haryanvi she would understand hindi i can talk to her in hindi and i can also pressurize her not to use haryanvi when she comes to your you just assume okay she can understand hindi because okay they are so close to each other still you know i am giving you a very simple example of that and then you can go to the other extreme of the um spectrum where maybe the language might be completely different you know mm-hmm. and all that you need to do in the early years is accept what they are saying let them speak in their language slowly and gradually repeat whatever they are saying in the language that you want them to finally communicate in 
give them the space to come to that level where they want right. to communicate in your language okay so divya i was wondering if you could share one project that would, that you would like to initiate in the ec space um that you can talk about it okay um right now i think i can tell you in the present scenario the way uh, teaching is happening in the early years mm-hmm. the way um, uh, you know see there's a divide the private schools are able to reach out to their uh, learners through the uh, online medium and then uh, but that is not the case for students who probably uh, they attend the public schools that is one thing that divide and then uh, another thing that how the schools are actually i what one thing that i am interested to actually research and document is how or how schools not just in delhi but maybe in all the metros mm-hmm. or across india how are they really approaching learning through the virtual medium for the very early learners so maybe children up to grade 2 that is something that um, in the present scenario i want to research document maybe uh, come up with a report where i can also by the end of it suggest that you know what were, what went for what worked well for some what did not work and you know because i feel when a similar situation arises in the future mm-hmm. i feel that documentation or this project uh, would be quite useful you know we have to prepare ourselves for uncertainties like this where for some for children who are as young as 5 years old we had to move to virtual learning a lot of schools are doing it so this is something that is of interest to me that's really interesting that would be so good thank you divya for speaking with us and sharing your insights uh, it's been a pleasure and best wishes for all that you intend to do thank you so much thanks thank you anushna thank you divya um, that's it for today thank you for listening stay tuned as we continue to dive deep into development bye for now